0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. Um, okay, so th- this week's Pasha, I-, I do tell the story pretty much every year, um, but it's very important, and, and it's something that I think today um, is taken for granted, and it's, it's really something that we've got we to gotta work on. And that is that um, this week's Pasha, parsha is Pashas, Matas and Masai together, two Pashas together, the longest reading of the Torah that exists. I think each Pasha has like 140-something in the, uh, Psukim, so it's like 248 Psukim. It's the longest um, Baruch Hashem. You sit in Shul and listen to some, a lot of Torah. And of course, at the end, since you're sitting there for 248 Psukim, you have a Chazak, Chazak, V'nitzchazeg. So, this week it's Chazak, Chazak, V'nitzchazeg. I do believe that Chazak, Chazak, V'nitzchazeg always comes out during the three weeks. And we're going to talk a little bit about, about that. Um, so, this week's Pasha, Matos... Um, it talks about the Indian of of Nadarim, of making promises, if a girl makes a promise and if a wife makes a promise and if a person makes a promise um, and it doesn't only mean promises it means that a person's word has to be a word and um, I don't know any of you guys who are in business know that that's something today that we don't find that often that in the old days there was no contract there was shake of hand and a word and a man's word was his word Today, I don't know what a man's word is. I don't know what it is. Even if you have a contract, they say every contract's written to break. Like nothing's nothing, you know, like a a person's word. But in the old days, a word used to be a word. If a person said, I'm going to do something, they did it. If they said, I'm not going to do something, they didn't do it. A word used to be a word. So um, so if a person makes a nether, and you have to be very careful, and you have to keep your nether. Um, There's a very cute story about... um, someone that had a dream. So the nether many, many times has to do with tzedakah. You know, you say, I'll give a $100 to charity. If you don't give it, uh, I don't even want to tell you the punishment. It's very severe. Very severe if a person makes a nether. He promises to give money and he doesn't give that money. Um, so the best thing is to give it right away. And um, that way you won't forget. Because if you forget, you got to come back into Gilgal. And you got to give it anyway. It's against sense, the mice, that's a whole story. We don't want to do that. So... Um, there's a very cute story that this guy um, had a dream and he came to the rabbi the next day and he told the rabbi, I don't know what to do, I had a dream that in my dream I made a net there to give $100,000 to your shul. What's the halacha, by the way, it does talk about this, what happens if you make a net there in your dream? Is that a halacha of a net there? It's not so simple. So, um, so he asked the rabbi, what do I do? I made a net there in my dream. Do I have to give 100000 to, to your synagogue or not? So of course, the rabbi said, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> of course. He's, he's sure. <laughs> That's what the rabbi said. And the rabbi said, absolutely. So, so you have to give it. So, the guy walked out. He was very upset. He didn't have $100,000. Now, he has to give $100,000 to the shul. He was very upset. He walked out. His friend said, like, why are you so broken? You look so upset. You come out of the upset. I had a dream last night. I was In my dream, I said I was going to give $100,000 to the shul. The rabbi said, now I have to give it. Where am I going to get it from? I don't know. I'm, I, I don't whatever.'" Okay, next day, comes to Shacharis, the same guy comes in, he's all smiling, he's all happy, his friend runs over to him and says, I don't understand, you found the money yesterday, you got someone that's going to lend you the money, you you, you bought a stock, you, you you made a lot of money, why are you so happy? He says, you're not going to be but last night I had a dream that I paid the money. <laughs> all right, okay, now that we got your attention and we woke you all up, we can learn. So, so there's a um, so there's a, a famous story from Rav Yusuf Kalevi See, there are certain stories that I say over, even though I know that you know it, because knowing a story and 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 the story becoming you know part of you is a very very big difference. I'll tell you something that happened tonight. Um, no, not Facebook. <laughs> so a young boy a boy and a girl are dating for a while um, so they came to me tonight um, cause he sort of asked her, will you marry me and she sort of said I have to think about it and that's pretty hard on a guy he asked her twice and twice she said I have to think about it so um, it's a sort of breaking up and then missing each other for a week and getting back together you know the whole the whole shindig so so they came to me they said, well, he came he said I can't live like this you got to talk to her, and I'll, and I'll come when you talk to me, and you make a decision for us if we should continue doing this or not. So um, so I sat down with her, and I said, what do you, you know, I give this whole share on not to ask what you don't like about him. What do you like about him? He's sweet. He's soft. He's a soft-spoken person. Um, he has unbelievable meadows. He never gets angry. He... Um, Shares his emotions, which, by the way, uh, just some coaching for boys. And she do him in she and dating. Never tell a girl how you feel about her because the minute you do, they run. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're, you, I love you. I want to marry you. Uh-oh, they're out of there. You know, like a guy, you got to, you know, whatever. You got to play the game a little bit. Yeah, guys would tell him on the third date, second date, you know, I want to marry you. That scares a girl, guys. You know, when a guy on the second date says... I love you and I want to marry you. They get scared, they get spooked, and they're like, "I don't want to go out with this guy. There's something wrong with him, right? Why is he telling me? Even if he feels that, why? Why is he telling me? So you gotta take it slow. We have a problem with that, guys. You know, we we like right away. We like something, I want it. Let's get married. Uh, let's go. How many kids do you want to have? Buy the house. Let's you know. Relax, relax. So anyway, he uh, did discuss his emotions. Anyway, so so just an interesting point because of what, what I'm about. What, what what I'm why I'm telling you. The story again tonight. So, so I'm talking to her, and and I like this about him. I like this about him. Um, and she sees that I'm not happy with her answers, and she's giving these really really great answers. He's he's sweet, and he's this, and he's that, and he's grounded, and he has a degree, and he has a job. And you know, she's giving me this whole list of reasons that she likes him. So she finishes, and and I'm like, I don't think this shit is going to work. And she's like, what? I'm like, I don't think this is going to work. She goes, what do you mean? I said, you don't like him. You like the things about him. You don't like him. She goes, what do you mean? I said, when I asked you what do you like about him, I would have liked you to answer me, I don't know. I just like this guy. I am just crazy about him. I don't know. There's a lot of guys I, I know that are nice guys. There's a lot of guys I know that go to Minion. There's a lot of guys I know that learn at night there's a lot of good looking guys but I like him Rabbo I, I don't know why I like him I will make believe his name is Chaim right? I like Chaim don't ask me why I like him, I just like Chaim I would have said, mazel tov. get married because if you like things about a person you could always find another person that those things are even better you have to like the person very scary thing I was told one day um I was dealing with a kid, and and, uh, I said to the kid, do you love your mother? There was a whole situation between this girl and her mother. I said, do you love her mother? And her answer, and I learned something very much from this answer. Her answer to me is, Brother Wallstein, I love my mother, but I don't like her. I said, that's a stira. That's That's a contradiction. If you love her, you surely like her, because love is a much stronger word than like. She said, no. I love her because she's my mother. But as a person, I don't like her. If she wasn't my mother, I would never have anything to do with her. So, if you love your wife because she's your wife, right? You can love your wife but not like her. Because she's my wife, so I have to love her. But I don't like this person. That's not good. So, so what I told this girl tonight was that... that if you would have answered me, I don't know, I just like this guy, then I would say this is then this is this is a shidduch. Well when you start giving me he's a nice guy and he's a this and he's a that, that's why she's not sure because maybe it's a nice dress, but maybe I can get a nicer dress. He's a nice guy, maybe I can get a nicer guy. So when I give shiurim, and, and I talk about subject matter, and a lot of you l- love my sheer but you don't like what I said. In other words, it was great. It was entertaining. It was funny. It was fantastic. But it's not for me. It's for him and for him. And look at that loser and that loser. But me, <laughs> I don't need that share. It's the same. It's the same concept. You 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 have to love the what you're learning without a reason. You want you want something so scary I saw this week. It's it's mama's scary. This is a little hard to explain, but it's very, very deep. I saw in a Sefer, I have to be very careful how I put this out. Um, But we're going to talk about it tonight. I saw in a Sefer that if you serve Hashem for Olam Haba, for Ganeiden and for Olam Haba, you're no different than a person who does something in this world because he has a taiva for Ilam Haza. In, in other words, um we do things in this world that are bad, let's say, because we have a we want to enjoy what we're eating. We want to enjoy being with the girl, we want to enjoy doing the Aver, whatever we're doing, it's called a taiva. You have a lust, a need, a want for something in this world. He said some people don't like they're not into girls. And they're not into food. They're into spirituality. You hear? They, they, they like to think. They like spirituality. Some people like a good piece of Cholent. And some people like a good piece of Gemara. And if they were Jewish, they would still like a good piece of Gemara. They like the give and the take and the argument and the machlikes and figuring out and getting to the bottom of it. And you see that the Goyim have a lot of philosophers. And philosophy is something you take in college. It's a subject. Thinking, deep thinking, you know, going into a subject and ripping it apart. So I sort of say for this week that a person could have a taifa for Elam Haba. And it's the same thing as having a taiva for a piece of fish or a piece of meat. If you're serving Hashem because you like Ganei, then it's the same thing. As liking a good burger or a good steak or a good barbecue. Now, when I read that, I'm like, what are you talking about? All we learn our whole life is. So, so you're telling me that if I, everything I'm doing is for i Haba, then it's, then it's Taiba? And the Sefer says, yeah. That, that true, that true serving Hashem is that if there was no Ilam Hava and there was no Gane, then it wouldn't make a difference. And there are stories, there are stories of Sadiqim that said, for this person, if you save this person, Hashem, I'll give up my whole Elam Hava. They worked their whole life, right? It's like a guy who works his whole life for money. and At the end, when he has a billion dollars, he says, God, if, if this person who's sick, who I love, you heal him, I don't care about the billion dollars. So then you know that the billion dollars wasn't something that was lust. Because then that's lust you don't let go of. So so there were deacon that gave up, said, I will sell you, I will sell my whole haba. I will give up my whole haba for this guy. If you save this guy. So there's a concept, and, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The concept of true emuna, true belief in our is that if there was no Ganeiden, and no Olam Haba, and no reward, you would be doing exactly the same thing that you're doing with the reward. It's a very high level, and I hope tonight we're going to be able to try to explain to you how to get to that high level. But it's a very deep thought, it's a very scary thought, that a, a person who's working the whole time just to sit in Ganeiden, he's no better than the guy who works the whole time to get a good piece of cake. Because it's based on the same thing. It's based on reward. You're not supposed to serve Hashem for reward. Shalom and ask the what? Okay, so that's a, that's not a good level though. Right, but that's a bottom. Okay, so that's a, that's. You have a, to rise to that level. No, you have to rise to the level that's lishma. You have to rise past, but you first have to. No, you don't have to be lishle lishma. Huh? We say it's, mm-hmm. it's not like you have to go lishle lishma. That's how you get to lishma. A person who who can't do it lishma. So get him, so pay him, like a guy who doesn't want to learn for the right reasons. But, but so true. pay him, maybe he'll like it and he'll continue it's learning. It's a level. level, 100%, it's a level, right. it's a level. I'm, I'm talking about the ultimate level is not to work to get Gan Eden, Not to work to get Gan Eden. So I think it's, 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 it's a, the reason Hashem gives us Gan Eden is to be able to pass that, even though there is a prize, I'm not doing it for the prize. It's like you love your father and he tells you, mow the lawn, I'll give you hundred dollars. And when you finish mowing the lawn, you're like, I'm not interested in the hundred dollars. So the hundred dollars being waved in front of you. You know, if you don't really like me and you like the hundred dollars, do it for the hundred dollars. So again, it's is sort of like it's a test to see if you can if you can overcome that. Where do we see this? We see this in Pashid Lakcha. Lech in Pashid Lakhlikah it says, Hashem tells Avram Avinu, leave, right? To the land I'm going to show you, and I'm going, to, I'm going to bench you, and I'm going to make you to a great nation. So one second. Anybody in this room, what's the big test? What's the big test? That was one of the ten tests that Rabbi Bino had. Leave your father's house, and you're like, ah, Hashem says, right. And I'm telling you that you're going to leave, and you're going to go, where I'm going to show you where to go, and where you're going to go, I'm going to make you to a, Now, you have to remember, at that point, Rabbi Bino had no children. So here he is, barren, no children, living in a land. God shows up, tells him, listen, if you listen to me, and you leave your land, and you leave your parents, and you leave your household, right? I guarantee you, I'm going to build you into a big nation, right? You're going to own a big piece of land there to Israel, and they're building you into a big nation. And that's one of Abraham Avinu's tests. I don't think there's anyone in this room that would fail that test. I don't think anyone in this room, if you didn't have children, and God showed up and said, Chaim. Get out of New York. Get out of Brooklyn. Get out of Flatbush. Just go. Where am I going? Just go. I'll show you where to go. I'll do the, I'll guard the GPS. I'll be your GPS. I'll show you where to go. And I'm God, I guarantee you, the kind of way you go, you're going to find a wife. You're going to get married. You're going to have children. It's going to become a big nation. You're going to have land. You're going to have money. You're going to be rich. Who in this room wouldn't go? So they asked this, Kasha. So they asked, what was the new sign that Abraham Abino had? What was his test? And the answer is. The test was that after Hashem told him that way well, if you go where I'm telling you to go, you're gonna become rich you're gonna become rich and you're gonna have children, you're gonna become a big nation. The test was that he would go and he wouldn't do it for that reward. That was the test. So Hashem gave him a whole reward at the end of the rainbow, and the test was when well, Abraham to go, and even though there's such a big reward, I'm not going for the reward, I'm going because you told me. so so so, so it could be that the reward of Ghanedin is for a person to be on, to get to a level where he says, Hashem, if you tell me tomorrow that I, that I don't have Ghanedin, I would do it anyway. I always think about it in my own life. I, I always think about it. would I be doing what, I was, what I'm doing if at the end of life you died and there was no Ghanedin? Or would I be saying, well, if we're not getting Ghanedin anyway. I want to go play golf. I want to go play basketball. I want to go to, the, uh, tonight to a Yankee game. Or, well, it was not all-star game. Whatever. I want to go to the all-star game. What do I need to do this for? I'm doing this because I want Gan Eden. I'm not going to get Gan Eden, So what do I need to sit here and give a share? I want, to go, I want to go watch the Yankee. I want to go watch an all-star game. And I always, te- I always ask myself, what would you do? I don't know. It's a tough call if you're really honest with yourself. It's a tough call. If all of a sudden came out, there's no Gan Eden. Hashem said, I decided I'm closing Gan Eden. It's over full. There's no room for anyone else. Well, maybe I'll we'll close hand on that way but, but it's like, it's full, there's no room for anybody I'm closing it How many people would say, okay, I'm out of the dash yami baby, you know, Torah, any time We're off, there's no Gan Eden, Hashem, What are we doing, right? We're out of here, right? Or would we say, I don't care, Hashem, Gan Eden, No Gan Eden. I'm not doing it for Gan Eden. It's what you want, Hashem, I want to do what you want It's a big test It's a big test Everybody has to go inside themselves And, and, and try to figure out why they do what they do Yes, sometimes, not always, sometimes. Um, all right, anyway, so, so my point that I was trying to make is that, so the story I'm about to tell, I've told a million times, but for it to change you, you, you have to like what you're hearing, and you have to take it inside yourself and make changes in yourself, not just walk out and say, wow, that was very entertaining, good story, Rabbi. Because good stories you you don't need me for you can buy a book and read good stories and, and i and I find even you know i Baruch Hashem got a lot of good reaction about uh about Facebook you know that, that i I was in um Florida I opened up an ornob in Florida Baruch Hashem there were seventy girls last week uh Monday night, and um two girls came over to me from North Miami Beach, and they said whilst well, can we watch you on tour anytime you're all over the place you're famous you're famous um and uh I just want you to know that we're all Facebook because of you. I said, really? They're like, yeah. I said, so how do you feel about it? They said, the Judaism part of it, of course, you understand. She said, but I got, I got my life back. I had no life. I was on it for four or five hours a day. I have no life. Now I'm doing all kinds of stuff. She said, you're 100% right, whatever. But um, So what about if you're doing it for because you know that's the right way to go? Because you know the Torah says and you know that... That's why you're supposed to do it. That's why you're supposed to do it. That's it. But not, not, not for reward. Not for reward. You're supposed to do it for the... Because the Kirish you know, tells, tells you to do it. So, so uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there that do it for the right reasons. And again, Shalei so, L'shema. So it was very interesting because, you know, I talk about Facebook and I was talking to them and I am like, there is some very good stuff that, that um, there is sometimes good stuff that comes out of Facebook. Um, well, I won't say Facebook, actually, but out of the Internet. I know a girl that was, became a Gare... And became a religious Jew because she was on the Internet, she was a musician, and um, there's a musician, you know, a violin player, and there's a violin section where players talk to each other on the Internet, musical, you know, musicians, and she started talking, and the guy that she was talking to was a from religious Jew who played violin, and he didn't know who she was, she didn't know who he was, started to talk to each other, she started to ask him about Judaism. To make a long story short, she got interested in it, whatever, nothing to do with him, she never met him. And and she became a gare, and 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 uh, not only a girl, but an amazing person, just an amazing person. So so I was talking to her. I said, you know, I can't really tell you story to anybody because it's a good story about the internet. And then on the other hand, and then on the other hand, on the other hand, that's her story. And then I know a story of a girl that never went on the internet, a really good girl, a normal girl, and she she went to this website, and it's a witchcraft website, or whatever it is, and she she fell in, and and it's a cult, and and not not in New York, out in the Midwest. And, and she's on a plane tomorrow night, and she's going to join this cult, and no matter what we're trying to do, we can't stop her. And, and this girl had no way of, they had no way of ever finding her, and it's not Stama cult, it's a a cult of all women, I don't have to really be more explicit, but all women, and who, who serve, uh, witch, who, who serve black magic, and they're taking this Jewish soul, and no matter what we're doing, she's already bewitched, I don't know what they did to her, no matter what we're doing, we can't stop her. And this all happened just because of the internet. There was no way they could ever find her out in the Midwest, find a Jewish girl in Brooklyn who went to Bess Yaakov. There was no way. So, so, you know, since the time of the Eish uh, everything that's created in this world has very good and, and, and very bad, and it's mixed. And therefore, if you don't need it, you should stay away from it. Because some really bad stuff. So, okay, anyway, I want to go off the subject. So this story is a story of Rav Yitzchak in Berditchev, who we all know always saw the good in every single Jew. And it's written in this week's parashat, when it comes to talking about a word. And he says like this. He said that um, um, he was a very big tzaddik and they used to do the bris meals, of course, just like by us, they used to do it in the morning. And his, who was it? Um was His niece with his grandson. And they were ready to they are about to do the bris and the Ditchabu Rab set went into a room and he said, I'll be out in a couple of minutes, right? And, and we'll and we'll do the bris. So he went into he went into this room and he was there for four hours. For four hours. Everybody's waiting for the bris. And the rabbi ain't coming out. Right? And he never used to go in for more than a couple five minutes, whatever. He doesn't come out. So little by little these people went to work and they didn't know what to do. And they hardly had a minion. Finally, the rabbi, the rabbi came out, and he said, okay, let's do the bris. There were mamash, he was the tenth. The mamash had a minion. And um, his son-in-law was standing by the baby, and they said, shmo. And you know, that's when the father tells the rabbi what the name is, you know, to give the name. shmo," And the meditre of says, screams out, Yehudah Leib. Now, it wasn't for him to give the name. It was the son-in-law to give the name. His son-in-law had a whole different name that he was going to give. Where'd the rabbi come and scream out, who was Yahudulayb? Nobody knew Yahudulayb. Nobody ever heard of Yahudulayb. You know, imagine you're about to give a, a, a name to your son and the rabbi screams out the name. That's too late. You can't change it. Right? You're about to call him Chaim and he says, Moshe. Like, to- who told you that Moshe? Where'd that come from? Right? So, so the son-in-law was very upset. Who's Yehuda Leib? Why? Why are you naming my kid? Why? Who? You know, Leib. So afterwards, um, they made a seuda, and after the meal, so the son-in-law went over to the to the to the Rebbe. He said, "I have two questions. Number one, why do why we have to wait for four hours?" So number two, why did you call him Yehuda I had a different name for him. So he said the following. So the Rebbe said that when I came to the bris. I saw outside the shul was a huge cloud, and it was black. The cloud was black, and I saw that in the cloud, there's a lot of action. Okay, I guess it's not, you know, physical, this is more spiritual, as Rebbe ever said. I saw there was something going on in the cloud. Um, so, I said, you know what, let me run into the room, let me do his spite of this, you know, sit down, close my eyes, and let me go look into the cloud, you know, spiritually, and see what's going, see what's going on. So he says, I came into my room, and I heard on the other side of the curtain, there's a curtain in Shemayim. And uh, many times we see in the Gemara, they went to hear what's on the other side. And there's a Malach there that tells this world what's going on in that world, to, a, to an extent. They will never tell you when Mashiach's coming, but they tell you a lot of stuff. So he asked them, what's, what's this cloud, what's going on? So, so they said, uh, a big tzaddik died. His name was Reb Yehudalev from the city of Aptah. I don't know if it was the Aptorov. It could be it was the Aptorov. I'm not sure. So, they were tzaddikim. It says when a tzaddik dies, so all the tzaddikim come out of with, uh, and They come to Ba'glaithim. They come to meet him and to bring him into Ghanaden. So, I said I saw a bunch of tzaddikim going out to Ganeiden. But, to go to Ganeiden, you have to walk through Gehenim. You can't get to Ganeiden... Without walking through Gehennam, so the first thing that happens to a soul when it comes to the next world is they dip it into a river of fire and um, and then after they take it from the river of fire, then it goes through Gehenna, and and through Gehenna it gets to Gahanaden it brings down into Zayar that the door of Gahanan and the door of Gehenna are opposite each other at least on on the oil on the Ghanaden of this world there's two Levels of Gan but on the Gan of this le- on this level, so they're facing each other. So for anybody, the biggest tzaddik has to walk through Gehenim to get to Gan And I and I said last time, I think the reason that has why there's a bridge, there's a whole story. I don't know. There's a kind of bridge. Rashi Chachma talks about it. There's a bridge across Gehenim you know, to, to to across the fire for the tzaddik to walk on. He, there's like a bridge that he walks on. But your mama, she sees what's going on in Gehennem, and, and I think the reason is that no matter how big a tzaddik you are, those people that are in Gehennem, they were in your, you know, it's a little bit your responsibility, so you need to see them. Because if you were, would have saved them, they wouldn't be in there. So even a tzaddik has to see, you know, the suffering, and that makes him suffer a little bit, when you see your brethren, you know, suffering, if you're, especially if you're a tzaddik. Anyway, so he's walking on this bridge, going across Gehennem to come to Ganei then, and when he gets there, Ozzav is like he, he leaves all the parade of all the tzaddikim, the neshamahs. He jumps off the bridge. jumps off the bridge. Jumps into Gehenim. The tzaddik jumps into Gehenim. Now you can't. The tzaddik can't be in Gehenim when the fires are on. So. So he, uh, so they turn the fires off. So what happens? He walks. He, so, so he he says, this "Is what he says." I want to read it to him inside. He says, "I'm not leaving Gehenna. I'm not leaving Gehenna until I take some neshama with me." A tzaddik has a power to take souls out of Gehenna, people that are suffering Gehenna, he has the power to take souls with him, it says the Rebbe has the power to take Talmudim out of Gehenna, don't depend on me <laughs> um, he has the power to take him out of Gehenna, whatever, and, and, and of course any tzaddik, that's what he wants to do he wants to save, you know, save as many as he can so um, so, so so, the, the 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 what's it called? The Moloch of Gehenna, the fire's off. He's not happy. Right? The fire has to be on. So he says, What do you want, Rabbi? What do you want? So Yudah says that I want to take um, I wanna uh, I wanna take out people. So the Moloch runs up to Hashem and he says, to Hashem, we got a problem. Gehenna's off. We have to turn Gehenim off this you Yudah Labor's in there. And he said, He's not leaving. Until he takes people with him, and we can't have the fire on when he's in here. Hashem, you got to help us out here. You know the Malcolm of Ganem is like, you got to help us out. You created Ganem, like you got to help me out here. So Hashem said, so he made a promise. He's not leaving. He said yes. Hashem said, okay, listen. If he ever broke a promise on this world, then he can then we can make him break the promise on the next world. His word isn't the word, so who cares that he got he came into Ganem and said I'm not leaving. His word's not a word. His word's not a word. Let's check. So they went through his whole life. And Rabbi Yehuda, Leib, Me'apta, never in his life lied. Every time he said he's going to do something, every time he made a promise, every time he said he's going to give tzedakah, he kept his word. So Hashem said, if a person in this world was honest, then how can we make him lie in that world? So you're going to, have to, you're going to have to give him some neshamas. You're going to have to give him some souls to take out because he made an nether. He's not leaving until he gets neshamas. So the Malach said, how many neshamas do I have to give him? So they looked and they saw what he did in this life while he was in this world. And they saw that he saved 220. When he was in this world, there were 220 Jews that he did pinyin, pinyin nefesh. He paid for them. He, he saved them from the Goyim. So Hashem said, whatever you do in this world, imagine, it's unbelievable. Whatever you do in this world, you have the power to do in the next world. So, you know, that's a lot of souls. 220 people in hell, burning and suffering. This tzaddik had permission to pull out 220 souls. It's amazing. We don't even understand one second in Gehenna. it says it's worse than all the pain in this world. So imagine those 220 souls getting pulled out. It's amazing. So, they came back, and he told them, 220 souls. He said, okay, but I want to take them from the seventh level. There are there are seven levels in Gehenna. The seventh level, which is called the Tohoim, you don't get out after 11 months. You're there forever. It's life. You get life. Life in Gehenna, which is, we don't even can't imagine what that means. Never get out of Gehenna. That's the seventh level. So he said, "I don't want to take the guys that are getting out anyway in eleven months, right? I want to take the prisoners that are on death row that that, that can't get out." And the Malach couldn't stop him. He had a right to take out two hundred and twenty souls out of Gehenna, no matter where they were. So he went to the seventh level. So he went to the seventh level. And he started picking you, 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 whatever for whatever. I don't know why how he picked it, but he picked it. Okay. So he goes and, he, and he's down there on the seventh level. And instead of picking 220, he picks 440. So now he comes to the gate, he's about to, he wants to leave, and the model says, oh, I can count. Hello, oh, I know how to count. This is no this is not 220 souls. This is 440 souls. You can't play games here. We you know we have accountants in, in, in Gehenna. We know exactly. There are 220, you took 440. No way, we're not letting you out with them. So he said, I took double and I want the other two hundred and twenty as a matana, as a present. Two hundred and twenty have coming to me. Two hundred and twenty I want to take as a present. Guy okay. Malhmanap Tashem said, What's the deal? What do we do? So who said that if he would have lived longer, his full life, Hitaka would have been able to save double. And therefore I have to reward him as if he lives his whole life. Which is brought down from that if people die young and they were doing the right thing, Hashem rewards them in the next world. Let's say someone dies at forty chas for show and he finished half a shahs, but he was learning every single day. Then the in the next world will give him double. In other words, we'll count it like the next forty years he was learning. Because Hashem took him away early. So he let him take four hundred he let him take four hundred and forty souls. So 440. 220 and double. 440. So he took 440 souls. You know what that is to be able to, to, be able to have the kayak to take 440 souls that were on the 7th level of Ganem. What was his kayak to do this? He kept his word. Had he lied one time they would have said okay you lied, now you lied, get him out of here. So That's how important a person's word, how important a person's word has to be. So what happened to already? What? lied already? What? Yutshuva. It helps. It right. Shuvah erases everything If you do a real chuva. How do you do a real chuva? By not doing it again That's how you do a real shuvah mm-hmm. Alright So that's the, that's on the parasha A person Listen, don't you all want to have the craft to go into the next world And pull out on the way to then Pull people out of Gehenna? You know, not comes from anyone that you know would be in Gehenem but, but people who are suffering It's like the greatest thing to be able to pull people out New. No. So you have to have that. First of all, you have to be a tzaddik, number one. And number two, you have to have your word has to be a word. A person's word has It's so important. A word has to be a word. I met a person, I don't know if it's true or it's not true, who told me he wasn't religious. I asked him, you know, like, what happened. I know he went to yeshiva. And he said, I don't know if it's true or not. He said, you want to know why I'm not religious today? Because my eighth grade rabbi promised me that if I learn a certain amount of Mishnah by heart, he was going to buy me a baseball bat. He never bought me that baseball bat. I called him and I called him and I called him, and he never bought me that bat. If a rabbi's word isn't a the word, then the whole Torah that he taught is not the word. And I walked away from from Judaism because of that. You got to be careful when you give a word. You give a word, you're going to give someone something for someone. Pay them and give it to them. A word has to be a word. That's number one. By a man, by, I mean by anybody. A person's word has to be a word. Hashem doesn't like liars, not at all. All right. We are in the three weeks. We are in the three weeks. Very serious time. Time of, uh, of peronious, of bad things. We, we just had Shivat Savatamus. The Lukos were broken on Shivat The Total was burnt on Shivat The, the, there was a pig board in the Hekel on Shivat And these three weeks just ended up starting with Yushalayim with the walls, ended up with the, with the burning of the destruction of the Beis HaMingdash. So it's three weeks of Puronias. So the question is, guys, and I'm going to talk a lot more at next week in Tisha B'av about this. The question is, it's very nice that Tisha B'av is Kruyei Moyin. Tisha B'av is called a holiday. It's called a Yontif, right? And everybody says, in Hashem next year, Tisha B'av is going to be a Yontif. When Mashiach comes, what kind of Yontif? What's the Yontif of Tisha B'av? No matter how you look at it, right? The Misham was destroyed. So, so you're going to tell me that the Beis Hamidish is going to be built on Tisha B'av, the new one. So that's a yontiv of the new Beis spoke, but, but it's not a yontiv of Tisha B'av. You How do you make the burning and, and, and the, it says the Gemara that the blood was running through the streets like an irrigation ditch in Yerushalayim. The kids were, 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 the kids were dead and the people were starving and, and their tongues were swollen and I don't care. So Mashiach comes. So how does that make that a yontiv? How does that change... What happens? When Mashiach comes, we're going to make the Holocaust a Yantif? The day the Holocaust started, we're going to make a Yantus? The day they burnt all the shuls, Kristallnacht Christ, is going to become a Yantus? Where, where is this? Where is Tishabot becoming a Yantus? Why? Why does... What was good about that? What, what, is, what is it called? Why Kriyamoyed? So, the... the psalm in Tehillim, the Perak in Tehillim, that talks about that talks about Tisha B'av, that talks about these three weeks, is Perik Ayintes. Ayintes says the following, Mizmar La'asaf, a song, Mizmar is a song to Asaf, I think Asaf was, no different name, I think, I'm not sure. Mizmar La'asaf, a song to Asaf, Elokim, God, right? Bo Goyim, the Goyim entered your inheritance, entered Eretz Yisrael. Timo as hechal katecha, they defiled the Beis Hamidras. Samu as Yushalayim leiim, they turned Yushalayim into a heap of rubble. Nasnu as nivlas avadecha, they 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 gave the corpse, the dead bodies of your servants, us the Jews. Machal laoif hashemayim. We became dead bodies that were the food for the birds in the skies. The Sakasideka, the meat of the good Jews, Lechise Aretz were given to the wild animals. Shafkhudam Kamayam, their blood was spilled like water, Sivas Yushalaim, around Yushalaim, the Ain Khaiver, and there was no one to bury the bodies. Hayinu Kherpa Sheneu, we were Kherpa, we were a disgrace to our to our neighbors. Lag Vikel Zuloseinu a mockery and a scorn to around us, and just continues to say all these terrible things. Now, listen to the last Pesach, and I test. Ba'anachnu, and us, amcha, your nation, v'tzayimari secha, and the sheep of your pasture, delacha. we shall thank you, lo'aylam, forever, l'dar v'dar, and every nation, every generation, n'sapati l'secha, we're going to, Sing your praises. What are you talking about? This is not a a, 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 a chapter talking about the building of the base of I Midrash. Mean, this, this is talking about the destruction, dead bodies, birds eating bodies, animals eating bodies, embarrassment. What are you talking about at the end? We are going to sing your praises. Your praises of what? That you destroyed us. And what is the word? Mizmar. How could you start this chapter in Tehillim with the word mizmor? I'm singing to Hashem. Hallelujah! Thank you for killing my great great grandparents and throwing them in the street, and the birds eating them, and the animals eating them, and everything being destroyed and everything being disgraced. How could you use the word mizmor? Mizmor is a song. How is this a song? So I'm going to try to answer. We try to answer this a little bit tonight. <laughs> There's also, if you look in Echa, it says, Kumi, Uroini, Malaila, get up and sing at night, and then it just rattles up all the terrible things that happen to us. What kind of, what, what song, what's the song that you sing when your whole world is being destroyed? What's the song that you sing? What's this Mizmar? When everything around you, your family is being burnt, killed, your town is being burnt, your base of Midrash is being destroyed, what is this song? So, there's an amazing story written by Rav Nachman Rebreslov. I was supposed to talk about this months and months and months ago. And I'm just going to... It's a very deep, Kabbalistic story. I'm going to try to explain it as best as I can. But it's just the tip of the iceberg. And this story explains what is the song in this huge destruction that happened on Tisha B'ov. What is the the rainy the song that we sing at night? At night means in, in Golis. And what is the Mayed? What is the holiday of the destruction of the Beis HaMikrash? The holiday, everyone thinks that Tisha is a holiday because Mashiach is going to come on Tisha B'ov. It doesn't say Mashiach is coming on Tisha B'Av. It says Mashiach was born on Tisha B'Av. He's going to be born on Tisha B'ov. But what's the holiday of Tisha B'Av? Pesach, we went out of Mitzrayim. Look at any holiday, right? Shavuosh, we got the Torah. Sukkis, we, we dwelled in Sukkis. Tishabav. What's the holiday? So I'm going to explain to you what the holiday is and why it's called a Mizmar and why it's called Kumi Raini Malayla with this story. So the story was written by Rav Nachman. He wrote a bunch of stories. This is the first story, the first of his stories. And it's called The Lost Princess. And he said that anybody who hears this story and understands this story, anybody who hears it and understands this story, is guaranteed to do tshuva. And it's 100% true. I have spent on this story so many hours, and I'm still just just at the tip of the iceberg. So first I'm going to read you the story, and then I'll try to explain it to you. So the story goes like this. There once was a king... Who had six sons and one daughter. I'm not going to get into what that means. It's, it's, the king of course is Hashem. The king in the story is Hashem. The six sons and the daughter are the spheros, Kabbalistic spheros. Everything has seven. There's seven climates and there's seven days and there, there's a lot of different sevens. And, and there's a lot of Kabbalistic, but, but he had six sons and he had one daughter. So this story is about the king's daughter. This daughter was very precious to him. Okay, so let's start off and let me explain to you who, who this daughter is in the story. The daughter in the, in the story of the lost princess is the Mida of emuna, Of absolute, 100% belief in God. So, there are many different things. One of the things that Hashem, that Hashem created was Imuna, which is absolute belief. This daughter was very precious to him. He loved her exceptionally, and took great delight in her. Because the reason, the basis of everything that is in this world, guys, is to come to belief in Hashem. The reason that there are flowers in the world, is that through the flowers you should see God. The reason that, that we have all the senses that we have, hearing, smelling, seeing, touching, feeling, right? All the senses that we have, the reason we have all those senses is that through those senses we should realize that there's a creator of the world. Everything that's created in the world, colors, the reason the world is not black and white is through colors we should be able to see there's of bark, through animals, through bugs, through fish, through, every, through molecules, through bacteria, through everything that's created in this world, what's created... To come to Emuna. To come to the belief of Hashem. So, the princess in the story was the most important child of all the children that the king had. Because the princess was the basis of why the king had children. So the princess is a person's, Emuna, a person's belief in Hashem. One time, he met with her on a certain day, and he lost his temper at her, and he said, may the no-good one take you. We're not getting into this. Exactly what happened here. But this was the story of the Eitz Hadass. Before the Eitz Hadass, before Chava did the Avera, before Adam did the Avera, Emuna was perfect. If you look... Give me a Chumash for a second. Okay. If you look at the Chumash, you'll see that when Hashem created the world, and He created Adam, the following. <laughs> so there was a direct discussion that Akosh Baruch took Adam, Mamash took him, right? Put him in Ganei then, and spoke to him directly. There was no lack of emuna because there was a relationship between man and God, like, like, like me and the next person. Hashem took him, put him there, and Hashem told him, spoke to him, like, I think even more than Hashem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. Spoke to him and told him, you can't eat from the Eitadas or that, whatever he told him. So there was a, there was no cloud. There was no, there was no, I don't know if there's Hashem. Prove me Hashem. How do I know there's Hashem? I talked to Hashem, he doesn't talk back. Here they did, here there was a there was a talk between Hashem and Adam. So so before before eating from the Eit and Nas, and was one hundred percent perfect. There was no doubt in the world, there was no darkness, there was no doubt, there was no disease, there was no there was it was it was, it was pure, it was Hashem and Adam. Hashem created him, Hashem made him with his own hands, Hashem put him in Ghanedah and Hashem spoke to him. They were like two friends, Mamish. I mean, if we could understand that. And so that Adam at that point, was from one end of the world to the other, whatever that means. He was on such a high level. He was, he was complete, he was whole. And therefore, what this is saying over here was that when the eight from the eight hadas, the no good one, which was the nachash, which was the eight sahara, took Amuna, the perfect Amuna, the seeing God, the talking to God, the one-on-one, he took that away from the world. That was lost from the world. And the princess disappeared. The princess, which was pure Imuna, was taken captive. Okay. The king had a viceroy. Uh, How would you say a viceroy? Like a second in command or a, a general. Right? He had a general. The general stood up, for he saw the king was very troubled. And he asked the king for three things. A servant, a horse, and money. And he said, if you give me a servant, a horse, and money, I will find the princess. I'm going to go, and I'm going to find. He says, the servant is a person's soul. The horse is a person's body. And the money is a livelihood. So, the human will say the Adam who lost, the princess was lost, the emunah was lost, said to Hashem, make, take a soul, and a human, which is the the horse is the body, the servant is the soul, and give them a livelihood, and through living on this world, we will seek, each one of us, everyone in this room, every Jewish person, we will seek the princess, and if you give us a body and a soul, and, uh, and 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 money and and the, and the weight to, and, and life, we'll be able to find her. Because because if you're just a bo- if you're just a soul, that's not a muna. If you're just a soul, that's not a muna, that's a malach. To come to a muna, you gotta have a body, you gotta keep Shabbos, you gotta do it of the aim, you gotta do the mitzvahs. through the mitzvah, we find that Kraj Baruch Hu, we have a Muna through the mitzvah, so you have to have all these three things. So the general said, I will find the princess, I will find the perfect imuna, I will find God one-on-one, in, in, but I need those three things. And the king said, no problem. Fine. So, this is how he found her. He went from place to place. This is how, this is how the, the rabbi writes the story. He went from place to place for a very long time. He searched in the deserts. He searched in the fields. He searched in the forest. And he asked everybody he saw for a very long time, did you see the princess? Now, to, to have a Munah, it's very nice to read books. People say, I believe in Hashem, I read a good book on a munah. It's work. To, to, to have true Muna in God, you have to search. You have to search through everything in life. And this is the example that he's giving here, that he searched in the forest, and he searched in the, in the fields, and he searched in the desert. He searched in all the different places in life, he searched in everything that he does and everything that he has. He looked into all those things and he said, is the princess in there? Is the moon in there? Can I find a moon through eating? Can I find the moon through sleeping? Can I find the moon through going to the bathroom that my body is able to separate waste? and, and for- Can I find a moon in everything that I do in life? That I wake up in the morning, that the sun is out, that the sky, that there's rain, that the flowers grow, that, the, that everything that I see... The- and this is what he did. He searched and he searched. Now he says something very interesting. So, as he was crossing a desert, he saw a path to the side and he was composing himself. He said, A long time I've been going on this road and I can't find her. There's a path. It's not the regular path, it's not the paved road. It's a path off to the side, it's a dirt road. And he's thinking to himself, I've been on the highway forever. And on the highway, I can't seem to find her. Should I take the dirt road? Maybe if I take the dirt road, I'll find her. So he said, I'll try to take this path. Maybe, even though, listen carefully, it's beautiful. It's it's an amazing story. He said, maybe, if I take, maybe the paved road leads to an unsettled place. And the not paved road ends up in a settled place. Maybe I shouldn't look at the road. Maybe I should, I tried this road for a long time, maybe I should try the one that isn't paved. Maybe that'll lead me to the princess. What is he talking about over here? He's talking about tefillah. The paved road, the paved road, is shachris minchem Person davenes every single day, and he says Rebbe, I go to Shachris, I go to Mincha, I go to Mairiv. I don't feel like I'm talking to Hashem. I get this all the time and I'm sure a lot of people in this room feel that way. I put on my tefillin, I go to Shachris, I spend my forty minutes, you know, do my thing, got my Khatris on the on the on the parchment, read my Khataris, read my tahilim, do my stuff, say all my Hi sounds, all my schoolas. It's really nice. But I'll tell you the truth I don't feel like I'm talking to Hashem (coughs) my father did it my grandfather did it my great grandfather did it so I do it I go I get this from girls a lot I pray I say to Hillel but he don't answer me it's not a discussion I just go through the motions but I don't feel any connection this is what Rabbi Nachman was saying here he's saying there are many people that look for God for Munah through the paved path and they don't find him he says, private prayer, private his spite of this. private prayer, in your room, not with the minion, not in shul, not shakras min chamayriv, in your room, on your pillow, thinking, off-road about Hashem, and david to Hashem, and talking to Hashem, sometimes that's the way you find the princess. Sometimes you need his spite of this, you need to go off-road, you need to do your own thing. I can tell you, I baruch Hashem, I I never miss minion. But sometimes sitting up in Beer Mountains by myself, with nobody around, I connect a million times better than by neila by the kodesh Yom kippur. What are you talking about, Rabbi? What are you talking about? On a, on a Sunday night at seven o'clock in Tuma Beer Mountains on a slab of rock surrounded by trees, you're telling me that you can connect with God better than by the Kaisal, on your Kippur, by Nehila? What are you talking about? And the answer is, Bear Mountains, at 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning, alone, with the bears on the trees, and nothing else out there, and be able to see 500 miles of mountains, right? That's off-road. And sometimes, when you're way off-road, You get into this conversation with Hashem, you just can't get when there's a hundred people around you screaming. It's called despoitedness. It's called being alone. It's called going off road. So, so, it's not for everybody. Some people can talk better Hashem in a minyan. It doesn't mean you shouldn't go to minyan. That going to minyan has a koyach, a different koyach. But that connection to Hashem, sometimes people, down their whole lives, they don't feel connected. They're doing the mitzvah and it's taka they're going to get schar. And so he said in this story that this guy was looking for emunah, right, by going through shakras, mincham, musaf and And it wasn't happening. And he was getting disillusioned. And he was giving up. And he was saying, maybe there is no God. Maybe there is no emunah. I'm on this road for so long, and I didn't find him. I'm davening chakras every morning, and I don't feel anything. And I'm sure, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, well, I would tell you right now that 80% of the people in this room cannot tell me that when they daven, they feel connected. They feel that their mom is talking to Hashem and Hashem talking back. Most people, including myself, most of the time when you daven, you, you may even think of some of the words what they mean, but, but you're, going, you're doing lip service. So he said, don't get disillusioned. Go off-road. Sometimes just sit by yourself somewhere, away from everybody, close your eyes, and talk to Hashem. So, he said, I'll try this path. And he went a very long time on that path. Don't think that they made you close your eyes and you're in bare mountains, all of a sudden there's going to be a voice. That's what, you know, the guy, like, A voice came out of the sky, you know, out of the trees, out of the mountains. Was a voice out of the mountains. I heard his voice. No. Sometimes it takes a long time, boys. It takes a long time to connect Hashem, to find the lost princess. Okay. Anyway, he finds her. He goes. He does his this, He sits at the edge of his bed. He sits in Bear mountains. He sits on Coney Island in the morning at four o'clock in the twelve thirty in the morning by the ocean. There's no one around. I so, hope there's no one around, right? And 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 he's talking to Hashem. And ah, we're connected. I feel like God's talking to me. I'm talking to Him. Something's happening. He sees the castle. But right away, when you see the castle, when you start having this and Hashem, he sees around the castle are guards. From the dark side and he's like who am i to talk to hashem i i i i close my eyes i have this illusion i see you came i'm out of my mind i'm crazy i'm like you know i think i'm connected to hashem who am i i'm nobody i'm stupid i'm a human being you know i'm not, I'm not some I, I can't talk to hashem and see letters and oh my god you know so so you like get disillusioned. illusion so he gets to the castle where the princess is in and he sees that there are soldiers standing around it. Because he thinks the ATR is going to let you get close to Hashem. He's not going to let you get close to Hashem. He says the castle is very attractive, well built, and extremely orderly with guards posted. And he was worried. I'm going to come to the gate, and I'm going to say I'm looking for the princess. They're going to chop my head off. But he composes himself. And a person who really wants to get close to Hashem doesn't let anything get in his way. It's, it's, it's such a great feeling. It's such an amazing feeling to get close to that And it doesn't always last for very long. But that one second, that ignites something in your soul. That, that's amazing. And if you've never been there, you don't even know what I'm talking about right now. You're thinking like, he's crazy. He's talking about stories. You know, Grimm's Fairy Tales. If you never felt that feeling, it's like a drug. It's mamish like a drug. It's, 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 it's crazy. You connect to God in any which way, and you just feel like he hears me, and I hear him. You, you just need that again and again and again and again and more and more and more and more and more, and that's that's the right drug. That's that's what a neshama needs, and 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 you know many bali tshuvas really feel it more than than people who have been from been religious all their lives. They just get that feeling when they walk into Judaism. It's like it's like I'm connected. It's like a fire, and they're just like and you're like well, this guy's crazy. You know, and, and 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 I've seen it. I've seen it in Breslov Chassidim. I've seen it in Eretz Israel. Like, you know, I, I went to Shuvu. It's a Breslov Shul, and 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 they were dancing. I remember I went to after Shacharis for Sikh in the morning, and they were dancing around the bima, and you're like you thought it was something out of like an Indian, uh, you know, chanting whatever. And they were, they were, their feet weren't touching the ground. They were mamish dancing. Their eyes were closed. I was just looking at them. I was like so jealous. They were mamish connected to Hashem. There was nothing to talk about. You see it on their face. It's like a drug. And it's because that's who we are. That's, that's, that's the ultimate feeling. Does it last forever? No. No, it doesn't. But you got to be willing to go through the guards and and, 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 and fight your way into, in, into, into the castle. So he says, okay, I'm going to go try. So he leaves the horse behind. He leaves his goof behind. And he approaches the castle. Because to fight the Eitzhar when it comes to Amunah... If you're connected so much to Gashmius, I need to eat, and I need to drink, and I need to sleep, and I need a nice car, I need a lot of money. You can't save the princess. You to fight the other side. The other side is spiritual. To fight the other side, you have to you have to get out of your cloak of physicalness, and you have to go in to fight them in, 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 a, in spiritual warfare. And that's why we learn Torah, we do mitzvahs because you can't fight them physically. So you so what he's saying over here. Is to get to a Muna in Hashem, you got to let go of a lot of your physical stuff. Because the more you are physical, the, being physical is the barrier between you and God. So, so the more physical you are, the harder it is for you to get the princess. And the, the, the end game of this game, so to say, of life, the end game is to capture the princess. They made a game called Capture the Flag. The real game is Capture the Princess. And what's the princess? The princess is Amuna. And, the, and Amuna is what? Amuna is not physical. Amuna is spiritual. So the more physical you are, the further you are away from the princess, which we will see is going to happen in this story. So, he goes and he thinks the gods are going to hurt him. The guards don't even see him. He walks right by them. Because since he's in a spiritual state, the guards are only looking for physical things. So since he's in such a high spiritual state, the, satan, the, the these these bad, the bad, the dark side... You got by the dark side because they're not looking for a neshama. They're, they're looking for the goof and the neshama and the person and that's how they trap the person. So he sneaks in and he goes from room to room without a disturbance. Finally comes into the main room and there's a king sitting in the main room wearing a crown. And there's a number of guards, musicians and instruments. It was very pleasant and beautiful and neither the king or anyone else asked him anything. He saw that on a table there were delicacies and fine foods. He stood up and he ate. He stood, he stood, and he ate, and he went to lie down in a corner to see what would happen. And all of a sudden the king, this king, not the same king, summoned the queen. So, first of all, let me tell you who the king is. The king is the sata. The king of this castle is the sata. He's surrounded by, as he just explained, all the physical things. Music, food, all physical things. What did this what did this person do? He went in and he took a fruit Right, And he stood and he ate it very slowly. And what, how he explains it was he made a bracha. In other words, in this world, you're supposed to make a bracha on a fruit and eat a fruit and drink and do the physical things. You're supposed to do that. But that's not supposed to be the main thing. So what he did is he, he took a fruit, but he, he sat there and he just watched to see what would happen. So when they explain it, it means he made a bracha. He, he took a little bit of this world... But well, he didn't get involved in the bad king and all his chevra, what was going on in that room. Okay? So, the dark king said to bring the princess that he captured before him. And they placed a the chair and, and they put her next to him. And he, immediately, this general saw the princess and he knew who the princess was and he recognized her. The princess looked around the room and saw him. And saw him lying in the corner and she recognized him. Okay. What does this mean? What is what is he saying here? He's saying over here that the other side the other side, what it wants from every single person is your princess. What is your princess? He wants your emuna. The dark side only wants your emuna. He's not interested in anything else. He wants your belief. Not to believe in God, but to believe in Him. And what does it mean? Who's walking around saying, I believe in the dark side? That's a bunch of gong, right? Believing in Him means believing in the physical world. So, the dark side is the one who kidnapped the princess of every single one of us. And his objective is to take away the Emunah from every single Jew. This is why we're in this world. The war is... We are supposed to come to the level of a Muna to know that there's a God. He is supposed to take away your Amunah not to believe in God, but to believe in Michael Jackson and money and stocks and politics and girls and the Internet and all the physical things in the world. This is the us between the two. This is the war. This is the lost princess. Every single one of us he wants our princess our princess is our emuna. so the queen sees him so when a person works hard on himself to get Amuna, don't think it's not going to be rewarded because emuna, the state of Amuna sees that this person is trying to get it back so she goes and she says to him do you recognize me Do you recognize me? Do you know what you lost? Do you even know that you lost your emuna? Do you even know that you lost your belief in Hashem? Do you recognize me? And he says, yes, I do. You're the lost princess. You're the one I'm looking for. And he asks her, how did you get here? How did I lose my emuna? How am I in a place that I'm questioning God? How am I in a place when something bad happens, I'm saying, where's God when I need him? How am I in a place that I'm not married yet and I'm going out for 10 years and I'm asking, how could it be Hashem's doing this to me? How did I get here? So he's asking the princess, how did I lose my amuna How did you end up in the dark king's castle? How am I on drugs? How many kids ask me that? Well, Austin, I don't know how I got here. I'm a drug addict. I don't know how I got here. I'm a gambler. How'd I get here? I'm an alcoholic. How'd I get here? I'm busy with girls all day. How'd I get here? I was a good boy, Rebbe. I was such a good boy. I don't know. When did this happen? When did I lose it? When did the dark king get Mayamuna? So he asked the princess, how did you get here? And she tells him, you know where you are. You're in a place that's no good. How did I get here? I got here because my father the king said the no good one should take you. What does that mean? I got here. How, how do we, how is anyone in this room or any Jew ever do something wrong? Something bad? Because we ate from the Itzadas. When we ate from the Izadas, Hashem said, the now has Kayach. The bad one can, the bad one has the Kayach to take away everyone in this room's a muna and his whole game, a whole life, is to break you down, and to take away your emunah. Whether it's because you're not doing good in business, whether it's because you're not having shalom bias, whether it's because you don't have kids, whatever it is, his objective is to steal your princess, (coughs) to take your Imuna away. That's his whole objective for the internet, for pornography, for all the filth, and all the tommah, and all the dirt that's in this world, is to take everybody's princess, everybody's belief in God, and take it away, lock it up, and it belongs to him. Because if you don't have emunah in Hashem, you automatically he owns that emunah. That's the Kayak that gives the spider the strength to to destroy the world and to destroy us. So he tells her, "But your father is very sorry. Hashem wants you back. Hashem wants every Jew." to have this abona How do I get you out of here? He asked the princess, "How do I get you out of here?" So listen to what the princess tells him. "It's impossible for you to get me out of here unless you choose a place and dwell there a full year." She says, "You can't just come in here." This is this is a discussion that I had with a kid today. One of the koichas of the Sahara and one of the things that this generation has a bigger problem with than my generation yes. is what we call the fast fix. You're sick, right? Even, even strep. Even strep, right? You get strep. When, I, when we were kids, you get strep. You had to take they only had penicillin, so you had to take penicillin for two weeks. Right? Five years ago, Right, you have to take a moxilin or whatever it is, ten days. No, no more. Z pac. Z Six days. No, four days. Four days. Four days. Four pills. It's done. Everything? You sick? Fast fix. Everything? Fast fix. It's a generation of fast fix. That's why you have so many divorces. Fast marriage, fast divorce. Everything is fast. Fast car, easy pass. You should stop and give the person a dollar and ask for change. No, easy pass. Then you have super easy pass with certain highways, right? You don't even have to stop five miles an hour. You just zip. It's the express lanes, right, by the Gothels. You just zip through, right? You, don't, you can't stop for two seconds. Everything is very, 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 very fast. That is the strength of the Sahara. And that is why I was dealing with a drug addict today and... The drug addict said, I'm having a very big problem. I was with this person by a, by a drug therapist. And the drug addict said, i a big, very big problem. Um, I want to take a pill that that pill is going to stop me from wanting drugs. There is such a pill that if you take it, if you take the drug, the drug doesn't make you feel good. But, and the person said, no, be, becoming clean is hard work. It doesn't just pop a pill and you're clean. It doesn't work that way. It's work. Marriages work. Going to work and making a living is work. It's not five seconds. Look what happened to day trading. Look what happened to the stock market. When guy, I was, I, I went to lunch once. I made one hundred fifty thousand dollars during lunch. Went to kosher delight, right? I bought options They were going that day. They were expiring. I bought them in the morning. I went to lunch. By the time I came back from lunch, it was up one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Boom, boom, boom. Then. Right, I went to dinner, and it was down 150. Whatever, it doesn't make a difference, right? But, but, fast money. Nobody works hard to build. You think that what's his name could have ripped off 50 billion dollars from? I know his name. I don't want to say Lashinara. I know his name. (laughs) Right. The the reason that he could rip off 50 billion dollars, boys, is only because people wanted to make fast money. They were, he said, I'll give you back 10% on your money. Fast money. People didn't even ask him for reports and stuff like that because it was fast money. Even said, everything Hashem created this world, it takes time. You put a seed in the ground, it takes time. Everything, it takes time. It takes work. It takes time. So she said to him, you're coming here and you think that you walked in, you're just going to take me by my hand and you're going to walk out. Right, You lost your Amuna, You're going through stuff and you lost your Amuna. I'm going to go to a share. Rabbi's going to tell a story. And I'm going to have Amuna. I'm going I'm to buy that book from the Rabbi, the Garden of Amuna. It's a big seller. I'm going to go to Eichler's. I'm going to read the Garden of Amuna. What a book. I'm going to walk out the next morning. I'm Moshe Rabbeinu. I read the Garden of Amuna, I'm Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm Novi. Yes, it's a very good book to read, but it's worked. He's amazing. The story's amazing, and we're not going to finish it tonight. Um, we're going to leave her in captivity. We'll find out next week how she gets out, or if she gets out. But what happens? She says to him, you can't get me out in one second. It is impossible for you to get me out of here unless you choose a place and dwell there for a full year. And the whole year you must yearn, you must want to take me out. Any free time that you have, you should only yearn and pray and hope to free me. And you should fast frequently. And on the last day of the year, you should fast and not sleep the entire day. And then you'll come get me. So he went and he did just that. So she told him, the first thing you need to know about Emunah, about belief in God, is that if you lose it, it's not a fast fix to get it back. It's a slow work, you have to fast and you have to daven and you have to pray, you have to beg Hashem and you have to yearn. The main word that they use here is that you have to yearn. Yearn means you have to want, you have to want it, you have to want it bad, you have to want it like you want a Mercedes. You have to want it like you want something, you know, in the physical world. You have to, have to, you have to have a pit in your stomach. She said, "You think you could just walk in here? You just yeah, you danced in here, but you can't dance out and just take me with you. You have to really, really, really want it." so we're just going to do another two minutes and then next week we show we'll try to finish it's a very long story so he did it he took a whole year and he sat in the corner and he yearned and he prayed and he fast and began the journey back to the castle where the lost princess was held and on the way he saw a tree and it grew very appealing apples and they were irresistibly tantalizing to his eyes. So he approached the tree and he made the major mistake and he ate one. Right after eating the apple, he dropped and fell asleep and he slept for a very long time. What happened? And we're going to end here tonight. We'll continue Mr. Shim next week. What happened? He fell. He fell. This is very true for every single... This is, this is such an amazing story because it's so true. So you made up your mind and you said, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to change. And I'm not going to do the stuff I used to do. And I'm going to... And, 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 and you spend that year and you, and you work and you go to Israel and you go to Orson Meach, and you learn and you try and you make up your mind. Right? And you fall. After all that, you fall. You do exactly what you did last time, the same stupidity, and you fall. And what happens when you fall? You go to sleep. You get into depression. I can't believe I did this. After a whole year, I stopped smoking for two years, and now I took a cigarette. I can't believe I did this. It's my its my famous diet story, you know? I lost 20 pounds. I didn't eat cake. Then your friends got you to eat a piece of cake, and all of a sudden you say, oh, I broke my diet. Finished. That's it. And then you lost 20 pounds, and, and, and three months later, you're up 80. Meshuganah, you ate a piece of cake, you broke it. Okay, so the next day, get on the treadmill. But there's a mentality, since I tried so hard, I did so well, and now I fell, I can't get up. I can't get up. So this is what happened to him. He wanted a munah, he wanted to be on, he wanted to be close to Hashem, and then he took the apple. He messed up. And he fell into a deep slumber. For a long time. And the servant tried to wake him up. And the servant couldn't wake him up. The servant couldn't wake him up. And we'll see what happens next week. But I want to end, I have to tell you a story that I read this week that I've said over to every single person i met since I read that story. It is so funny. It is hilarious. But on the same time that it's hilarious, it is so true and it is so sad. Not many times that you see a true sad story that's hilarious. Listen to this story. Whoever read it, so this story was written in the yat by Rabbi Ginsburg. Rabbi Ginsburg is a principal in Minneapolis. He writes a lot on Chinuch. He says the following story. Boys, this is such a true story in life. It's like amazing. It's like, it's like the best story I ever heard. And that's I've heard a lot of stories. Torah, anytime, pay attention to this story. So there was a, a boy in fourth grade and he's jumping all over the place. And his Rebbe can't put up with him. The Rebbe calls down the father. He says, listen, your son, I can't. I can't deal with him. And he's ruining my whole class. My whole class doesn't learn because of him. We have to do something. Now, I'm a Rebbe a long time. I have a lot of experience. I'm telling you, your son needs medicine. He's definitely ADHD. (laughs) Nothing to talk about. And your son needs medicine. So go to a psychiatrist, get a prescription, get him Ritalin. The only way I'm going to keep him in my class is if he's on medicine. Otherwise, I'm not taking him back. Father it's says, "Father says, listen, what? You want okay. to send him to Israel? No, no, that's how that's how school is in Israel. Also. Okay, well, every, I mean, it's everywhere today. I tell you, kids are labeled by letters: A D H D A D D B D B D B D Z D. Right? Give him a little medicine. Yalla. Right? A little L O V E would be the best medicine, but we don't know how to do that. That takes too much time. Love somebody." Give them time? No. Give them a pill. It's exactly this story. Exactly what, what the lost princess would say. She would say, Oh, you think you're just going to walk out with me? you got to work. It takes work. Everything takes work. you got to work. Okay, anyway. So the father says, Listen, there's no way my kid is going to take medicine. I hear what you're saying, but he won't take it. The Rebbe says, Listen, I'm a Rebbe a long time, I got a lot of experience. I'll get him to take the medicine. Like The father's in awe of this Rebbe, right? Okay, so, the, so they go, they get the prescription, they give it to the Rebbe, you know, he's got these 20 blue pills, whatever in his pocket, so get, the kid supposed to get one every day, he says to the kid, listen, calls the kid over, he says, you know, I come to school every day, I'm very weak, I'm very tired, I need you to make me a coffee, you're going to be the coffee monitor, I want you to make me a coffee every morning, and as a reward for making me a coffee, I'm going to give you this blue candy. And you can have, you can, you're the only one in the class that's getting it, and it's for you, because you're making me the coffee. Okay? So, the kid, three months goes by. Kid's amazing. Class is amazing. So finally, the Rebbe's very proud. He made the right call. You know, he's a great Rebbe. He's pulled, you know, he's genius. He calls up the father. He says, I need you to come into school. I've got to talk to you. Okay? The father comes into school. Rebbe says, I want you to know, what do you say? What do you say how I pulled this off, right? I want you to know that not only was I right about your son, but I was right that because of your son, the whole class is misbehaving. Because now that your son's behaving, the whole class is behaving. I come in every day. It's calm. It's nice. It's working. Baruch Hashem. Father's sitting there, shaking his head. He's smirking a little bit. He says, you know, I was going to call you last night, but I, I didn't know how to tell you. But now that you're telling me this, I have to tell you. He said, My son came home yesterday from school. He said, Tati, dad, Tati, I I have to tell you something, and and, and I don't know if you should tell it to my Rebbe. (laughs) He says, You know, the first day he asked me to make him a coffee, so I made him the coffee, and he gave me a blue candy. And Tati, I, I put that blue candy in my mouth. It was disgusting. It was, it was bitter, but my rebbe gave me the candy. I didn't want to hurt his feelings, so I didn't know what to do. So every day after that, I took the blue candy, and I put it in my rebbe's coffee. <laughs> <laughs> now think for a minute. <laughs> Who needed the medicine? The Rebbe needed the medicine. Now that the Rebbe was on Riddle every day, all of a sudden the whole class was better. And everything was good. This is a story that Rabbi Ginsberg wrote. <laughs> what's what's the lesson of the story? The lesson of the story is that we always think that it's the other person that's messed up. And the other person's aggravating me. We don't realize that we're messed up. We're the ones that messed up, not the other person that's messed up. And that if we fix ourselves, all of a sudden the other person is going to be very calm and very good and very nice. And that's what it means. Don't judge your friend until you're in his place. It's the Rebbe that needed the riddle in, not the little boy. (laughs) Have a good week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.